This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Matthew Collar, Purple Insider himself, joins us here on the Lake Show News Talk 830 WCCO on the John Schuster Cole Banker Hotline. Good evening, Matthew. What is up? What up? Hey, um, look, I want to start this conversation before we even talk about anything that transpired last weekend with the Vikings and their victory. I just want to ask you just flat out, are the Minnesota Vikings, in your opinion, a contender to come out of the NFC? Uh, kind of. I mean, isn't anyone who's in the mix is what I would say. In a year where... There's no one outside of Philadelphia that really blows your socks off. I mean, I think that Dallas is pretty dangerous. But aside from that, like, okay, so you have teams with some weaknesses and you have some teams with some strengths. Uh, you know, I mean, like San Francisco, for example, they've got some strengths. They have some great players. They have some weaknesses. Any week, Jimmy Garoppolo could have a really bad game and they lose to Atlanta or something, right? So I think that the Vikings are in – a second tier behind Philadelphia and Dallas. And I think there is a gap there. But, I mean, when you look at last year, for example, the Los Angeles Rams go in as the fourth seed and they end up reaching the Super Bowl because things go right in the playoffs. And, you know, I've never really bought into the hats in years past. But, I mean, when you look at the way the NFC is this year specifically, I mean, there is that type of chance. You get a home playoff game. If you win that, then all of a sudden, like, you're on the path and you have the potential to go deep into the playoffs. Um, but I do think that that's getting way ahead of ourselves with this team uh, because I, there's a lot of proving ground that's coming up. And so I, I'm not ready to say that they can really play with the big boys until they go to D.C., go to Buffalo, play against Dallas, and, and, and then show that they really belong. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And, and that's the reason why I asked the question is because I'm with you. Like, there's a lot of proving that has to be done. But the reality is, is that there aren't a lot of big boys. And when you look at the NFC, I mean, by default, the Vikings have to be in the conversation. I'm not saying it just because of their record and their 6-1. Because to me, I don't just go into the record thing because there could be a team that has 
a, 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 you know, a, a, a maybe one or two more losses than you, but be a better football team than you are. But just when you look at the NFC, it's just, and really across the league, like there's some elite teams and there's a lot of parity. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that there's also a lot of teams who could argue that they're just as good as the Vikings and that they would have a pretty good case. Um, you know, like, yep. for example, if the playoffs started today, you'd play San Francisco. Like, are you betting the Vikings for sure to beat San Francisco? I, I'm not because, you know, one of their losses was with Trey Lance in a typhoon. Okay, kind of throw <laughs> that one out, right, in Chicago and – you know, then Jimmy Garoppolo had to come back and take command of the team. But, you know, Christian McCaffrey looked pretty good for them last week. They have a really violent and, and terrific defense. They have one of the best offensive coaches of the last decade. Like, are you, are you really sure that you're better than them? And so much of it, too, comes down to health in a lot of ways. Uh, Kevin Seifer from ESPN pointed something out today that I thought was very smart, that the Vikings have six players that are exclusively special teamers and you almost never see that. And the reason for that is because of the health of the rest of the team. Like, those guys have not had to been called up off the special teams to start playing offense and defense. I mean, they missed Harrison Smith for a game. Uh, you're going to probably miss Delvin Tomlinson for a game. But they have been so remarkably healthy. Uh, if, if they're not down the stretch, if they have some key injuries, then my take on this team would pretty much completely change. But if things keep going this way, then they've got an argument of being a pretty good team. And the reality is that you know, Green Bay's just not going to be able to track them down unless they totally, totally melt. And then at that point, we would be saying, okay, I guess you fooled us, Vikings. But um, if this is a healthy team, uh, with the addition of TJ Hawkinson, they have talent all over the field in a conference where there's just lots of flawed teams. And you know, if they can get into the playoffs as a home playoff team, a two-seed, you know, they've got a pretty good opportunity there. Talking to Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, here on the Lake Show, News Talk, 830-WCCO. Uh, I was just going to ask you that uh, about somebody you just referenced, TJ Hawkinson. That's the news of the week. Uh, the trade with the Detroit Lions, now he is the tight end for the Minnesota Vikings. First, uh, your thoughts on that trade and the acquisition of TJ Hawkinson. And secondly, we've seen the last of Irv Smith Jr., correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And, you know, I, I have to give you credit, Henry. You were very skeptical about how Irv would fit from the beginning, and I, and I don't think it ever became a fit or anywhere close, really. And Kevin O'Connell and, and Squishy Dafomenta, they tried hard to say, hey, look, Irv was coming along. It was a bad break, and it was a bad break. Those people who are calling him injury-prone, I mean, go back and watch the play where he got hurt and tell me what's injury-prone about having someone fall on you. But, uh, you know, he never fit, though. And he never regained the speed that he once had. Uh, he was not getting open at a very high rate. And there's actually numbers that we have now for this from ESPN has developed, uh, you know, a statistic to even show based on the tracking stats how open receivers are getting. And Irv was toward the bottom of the league, even among tight ends for this year. So he never really got that speed back that he had early in his career. And I think this is it for him because Hawkinson is under contract for next year and will probably be extended. Uh, on Hawkinson, something stood out to me today, which was Patrick Peterson talking about how much it means to him that the team is all in. And, you know, I think that that's important because, you know, yeah, okay, he's got yeah, a contract year for next year, and then we'll see if they extend him and so forth. But there's, there's a lot of changes that will eventually happen with all these veteran and older players in the future, this is a year to go all in. This is a year where everything's been laid out for you. The Packers are bad. 
the other teams are rebuilding in your conference. There's lots of issues, and you're the healthy team. You're the you are the blessed team. So go for it. And I give Clay Adafalmente a ton of credit for that for throwing aside the competitive rebuild. This is not competitive rebuild move at all. This is win right now this year while Patrick Peterson, Zadarius Smith, when these guys who are older are playing at an extremely high level. And I think this is a, you know, an improvement for them by quite a bit over what Irv was giving them uh, and also replaces a, a key player or key position that would have been out. I mean, if they didn't make this move, you're talking about you know, Ben Ellison and Johnny Munt being your tight end. So I think it was a significant move that came really at the right time. You know, that scramble for a touchdown by Kirk Cousins was – that was awesome, man. He, I mean, he was – I'm like – I was shocked to see him move like that. I don't know what was going on on that play. Maybe Kirk thought that somebody was trying to vaccinate him with the COVID-19 vaccine on that particular play. Oh, but he was – but he, he, was, he was motoring, baby. Wow, see that's a that's a cheap shot. You can't take at six and one. I mean that's that's a that's a three and three cheap shot right there. That's when it's five hundred. Um, it's yeah, now or never, know. man. I might not never get a, a chance again to say that. It's actually funny. I mean, no, I mean that was a Giannis Antetokounmpo dunk right there, right on his head. But uh, you know, um, this is the thing about you know Kirk Cousins is like it's not that he is like Drew Bledsoe slow or anything like that. Um, It's that he, I think, always struggles to decide when the right time is to take off and run, that there have been opportunities through the years, and he'll talk about them. He'll say, oh, well, on that play that I forced this ball in or that he doesn't really do that or threw it to the check down or whatever, that uh, he should have taken off and run. And there's there's a lot of value in that. Like, look at Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins. Uh, their statistics are kind of similar in like yards per attempt, but Daniel Jones has run for 25 more first downs than Kirk Cousins, and those things add up over over the years. I, but I think that that was a total anomaly. He looked up and saw nobody around, and then ran. And you know, yeah, I mean, he had enough wheels to get in. He was athletic enough to get in. But that's not that's not something you're going to see like too often from Kirk Cousins. It kind of speaks to just how well everything has gone for them. Like at the point where Kirk Cousins is running a 17-yard touchdown, you know that the football gods have just decided you are the team of destiny this year to have everything go your way. You know, it's interesting because Justin Jefferson, um, it seemed like on Sunday, they, I mean, they kind of took their time getting him the football. Like, it was like they got it to him in bunches, or at least took shots, right? Like it, it seemed like they were they had like whole quarters or 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 a good portion of a quarter where they just kind of like mm, we won't take a chance here. But all in all, and you know when they look for him, he's going to make plays. Like a couple of those pe- catches where he just went up and just grabbed the ball and yanked it from the defender. I'm like, man, give him more chances, please. Yeah, I actually was asking Justin Jefferson about that. Uh, I think I described it to him as the time you lost that guy. Um, but, uh, you know, he was talking about how the, the chemistry with him and Cousins, it's a big part of it, and, and that's where it has to show up, is in the trust. And he said that he had a conversation with Kirk after that play and basically said, like, that's, that's what I need you to do. That's what I want you to do. Like, believe in me out there. I'm going to go make those plays. And he was matched up with a backup corner on that play. It was like a perfect Justin Jefferson could just dominate this dude with the ball in the air. And 
I mean, you talk about like the, the elite of the elite receivers who can do absolutely everything. I mean, Jefferson is getting open as much as anybody, making contested catches, making yards after catch. I mean, there is nothing he can't do. So there's, they, they really can't ever allow teams to take him away. If they allow someone to take him away, it's really on them. Right, And I think that overall, outside of, like, what was it, two games, they've done a terrific job of making sure that week after week after week, he's, he's at least having major parts of the games that he's impacting. But there's no receiver in the league that every single quarter you could just continue to push the ball to and have it work. And I think that's where TJ Hawkinson comes into this. Like, yeah, we would all like Kirk Cousins to throw some more jump balls to Justin Jefferson. It's probably not going to happen all the time, just like – we don't like him to run 17-yard touchdowns all the time, but it's not going to happen too much. Uh, I, I think this is where he needs other people to make plays. And basically it's been Jefferson amazing or nothing else happening for their offense. And, and T.J. Hawkinson, one of the best things about him is you could throw a four-yard pass to T.J. Hawkinson and he could turn it into 12 because he's kind of a, a Mack truck. Like, he's pretty fast for his size. He breaks tackles. Uh, he falls forward. You know, he's got enough uh, ability and space. And I, and I thought that that was one area where Irv Smith was missing, where there would be this year that in the past he was actually quite good at, that, you know, you you throw a short pass to him and he could make something happen. And, and I think maybe the knee injury took something away from him there that, that you know, hadn't come back yet. Uh, but with T.J. Hawkinson, he has been absolutely terrific in terms of yards after catch, one of the best in the entire NFL and, and, that's, and that's just really big uh, for Kirk Cousins when we know he's not going to be pushing the ball down the field all that often. All right, final thing for you, uh, Matthew. When you look at the Washington Commanders, anything about their team concern you in this matchup, and how do you see this whole thing playing out? Yes, big time, which is that they lead the entire NFL in quarterback hits. That mm. is scary. And guess where that pressure is coming from a lot? Right up, up the, the middle. And, uh, yeah. Yep, that's right. And last week, they nearly lost the game because of interior pressure. Uh, Ed Ingram right now is the worst right guard in football in terms of allowing pressure. Uh, I think it would be a mistake to even play him at Washington. I, I think that they will. But they have several other experienced players at guard, including Chris Reed, but also Oli Udo was better last year than what they've gotten from Ed Reed this year by the numbers. Or, I'm sorry, Ed, not Ed Reed, Ed Ingram. Uh, by the numbers. And then they have, uh, you know, Austin Schlotman can play that position. Blake Brandle has played that position before. So they have multiple guys that they could fill in there. And I, I feel like it's maybe stubbornness that they drafted him, that they'll stick with it here. And it might cost them if they do, uh, because you're talking about Duran uh, Payne and uh, Jonathan Allen. I mean, these guys are just monsters. But also, not only that, the teams run these stunts and twists all the time. Monster Sweat's one of the best players in the league. I mean, so, uh, they, yeah, they have this defensive line that is just stacked up with first-round picks, and I think that that should be very scary to the Vikings because you talk about, you know, a strip sack or a big sack on third down or pressure that causes an interception. Like, these are the things that have long been the kryptonite of Kirk Cousins, and plus, he's going to be all jacked up going back to play Washington, trying to prove them wrong and everything. Um, so there are opportunities to beat their defense. They don't have a very good secondary overall. The corners aren't that great. But, I mean, I, Kirk Cousins is going to have to get the ball out fast because I think if you look at that Miami game, that was what happened in that game where Miami's corners weren't all that good. But they had just no chance with how quickly that pressure was getting there. And I, I think that's the biggest concern. It's also the reason, Henry, and, and I could be wrong. We're all wrong about picking games. 
But I'm picking the Vikings to lose this one to Washington because of that. Mm. Wow. All right, great stuff as always from Matthew Collar from Purple Insider. Check out his fine work there. But also, um, just um, you know, listen to him here on uh, WCCL Radio. He does a phenomenal job on uh, the various different shows that he's on, including ours. Uh, Matthew, always a pleasure to talk football with you, my man. And uh, I'll text you some football emojis here in a few minutes. Thank you. I appreciate that. I wish you would do that more often. <laughs> All right. Take later. care, brother. Thanks. All right. Matthew Collar joining us here on The Lake Show. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We get to Word on the Street. That's next. All right. It's time for Word on the Street. We talked about plenty of things already tonight. <laughs> There's something that falls in the category of Word on the Street that, that I might get to. I might throw it in. If you don't already have it on your rundown of things to get into, only time will tell. Well, uh, let's get to it then. H. Lake, there's apparently a cocaine problem on the set of a new Denzel Washington movie. Two caterers working on set were arrested after cops in Italy say they seized a bunch of coke following a man's death. Now, a cop say the drug bust was in response to the sudden death of the movie productions had a catering. A 55-year-old man who reportedly collapsed, leaving a bar and died of a heart attack. Police say they found several bags of cocaine in the man's pockets, leading to suspension of more drugs on the set. A couple of catering workers from Italy were placed under house arrest on suspicion of drug dealing after cops say they seized cocaine from their hotel room during Thursday's raid. They were reportedly detained by police away from the movie set. And uh, get this, a different caterer was allegedly in possession of a small amount of cocaine, reportedly for personal use. (sighs) Cocaine, man. Hell of a drug. I know. (laughs) You beat me to it. You beat me to it. You beat me to it. I was just about to say that. Hell of a drug. Hell of a drug. My gosh. Uh, It's sad. Hey. Jay-Z and Jeff Bezos, two of the most successful men in America, are interested in buying the Washington Commanders. And apparently a partnership between the two is on the table. Now, of course, yesterday the team issued a statement announcing Dan Snyder's hired a major bank to investigate a possible opportunity to sell the team. Now, Jay-Z is worth an estimated $1.3 billion by Forbes. Not enough. He's expressed interest about inquiring the team, valued at $5.6 billion. Now, despite the uh, fortune, he would have to look for a strategic partner. Jeff Bezos, one of the world's richest people, at $114 billion net worth, is also interested. So, and I mean, him, Jay-Z, you know, he sold, you know, he had the Brooklyn Nets for a while until he had to sell them because of conflict of interest. Bezos could buy 10 Washington Commander franchises. Yeah. I mean, he's just, like, that's nothing for him. No. Because they're saying it could go for an estimated $6 billion. He's worth, was it, one hundred fourteen? billion? He doesn't need Jay-Z. No, 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 he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. Jay-Z would need him. Jay-Z but, but, would need yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, but, 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 but we know that. Like, yeah. we knew that going in. And uh, finally here, like, good for Bezos, but bad for Bezos because he's going to court because one of his former housekeepers claimed he racially discriminated against her and forced her to work under conditions so bad just going to the bathroom was a nightmare. Now, according to legal documents, Mercedes Weta, says the Bezos team allegedly treated her and other Hispanic cleaning staff members much differently compared to the white employees claiming his household manager was, uh, quote, aggressive and abusive to her Mm. while being respectful and polite to the white staff. She claimed she wasn't allowed to enter the home unless actively cleaning, which is where going to the bathroom became a major issue. According to documents, she and other housekeepers were forced to climb out of the laundry room window to the outside, then run along the path to the mechanical room through the mechanical room and downstairs to the bathroom. 
Well, that's not very nice. That sucks. And yes, I want Mr. Bezos to pay for that because yeah. that's not cool at all. No, he, he should. So It's terrible. So what you got on... Uh... All right, so I'm going to add one more thing in here. I'm not sure if you saw this or not, but Nick Cannon is expecting his 11th child and second with model Alyssa Scott. What are you even doing at this point, bro? Seriously. Well, I know what he's doing, but he shouldn't be doing it. Um, I mean, I... Enough. Everybody loves sex, but I mean, really? We don't need any how more... Many, how, yeah. how many kids do you need? I don't know, man. 11? I mean, let's see. He's Well, I mean, he's got it, you know. You know what? I, I think they lost a child last year, though. Oh, did they? I'm, and, and I'm not saying that he's just doing this just as because every, you know... As a makeup? Every, yeah, because every child's unique. Yeah. But I do think that they did lose a child last year. Okay. See, so. and, and that I, I did not... I did not know that uh, that he lost a, a child. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shortly after the child was born. That's so. sad. All right. That's going to wrap up Word on the Street. Coming up next, we'll take a look at local weather. And then after that, you know what's happening this weekend? It's Breeders' Cup at Keeneland. Who's going to join us to talk about the horses? Jeff Madej from Canterbury Park. He joins us next. All right. Welcome back to Lake Night here on the Good Neighbor News Talk 830 WCCO. Uh, going to be a fun weekend for individuals like myself who love horse racing and there's no better place in the state of minnesota to bet and wager on horse racing than canterbury park and the reason why it's the breeders cup weekend both friday and saturday and joining us now to talk about that is jeff madey from canterbury park always a pleasure to have you on the show jeff and i want to start with just your overall assessment and opinion because i know that you and all the folks at canterbury park have been just diving into these races what do you make of the fields here for both Friday and Saturday. Is this one of the more deeper editions of the Breeders' Cup? I, I sure think so. We were talking in a group earlier about trying to find who are your singles, like who are the horses you think can't lose. Uh, and people had a hard time coming up with that. I mean, you're always going to have a strong opinion here and there. But I think overall, the, the races are deep. And when you track horses from all, really literally all over the world, uh, to compete for this money, it, you're going to get that. But I, I don't see, you know, we, in the classic, obviously, there's going to be a standout with a horse named Flightline, who, who is three to five on the morning line. But I think the other favorites throughout this 14 race series, uh, you could find them to be a bit vulnerable, I believe. All right, so, all right, so let's talk about, let's start there with Flightline and the Breeders' Club, the, 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 the classic race, which is the biggest race of all of the races this weekend. Um, how typical is it, or when was the last time that you saw an odds-on favorite there in the classic? I mean, three to five, that's just, man, that's that's kind of hard to stomach. Right. I mean, we've had some, obviously, we've had some some super horses like Arrogate and American Pharaoh. Um, but just, you know, the, a horse like this who's so, it's, he's five for five, but very lightly raced. The races are, and he's a four-year-old. This isn't a three-year-old that's only run five times. This is a four-year-old that uh, you know didn't run until April of, of 2021. So uh, lightly raced, but never been beaten. And I, I know that you watch the Pacific Classic, Henry, which is the premier race at Del Mar on the West Coast in the, in the uh, late summer. And, and what we saw that night, I think, was, was uh, an effort that from a racehorse that you don't often see. It left people breathless. And I, I expect to see that same kind of performance. And that's really why he's three to five. His numbers are better than anyone else. He earned a buyer speed figure, which is the number that, you know, in, handicappers will grade horses by a, a buyer speed figure that I don't think has been recorded in, in decades. So 
uh, this is, a, I believe, is a special horse. And, and I hope we see that on the racetrack because racing could use that kind of shot in the arm. All right, Jeff. So my question, though, about Flightline is you mentioned the inexperience. Does that lack of having a bunch of races maybe leave this horse vulnerable? Oh, uh, certainly. You know, you look at this field, and these are all very good horses. Heck, the Kentucky Derby winner, Rich Strike, is in here, and no one's even talking about him. Uh, but eventually, it's it's possible that that inexperience could come back to haunt him. But he's got a quick turn of foot. He doesn't. He has yet to get in in traffic trouble. Now, granted, he's not beaten big fields, but this classic is in only an eight. It's only an eight horse race, so I think he's going to be able to avoid traffic because he has that natural physical ability. I, I think that's what really sets him apart, Henry. And you watch a lot more sports than I do. And you watch athletes, and horses are athletes more than I do. But this horse had that physical presence. It's like when LeBron in his prime walked onto the basketball court. Right? He was j- just he excelled over anyone else on that court you could just see it and i think that's what you get with a horse like flight line and that's why there's so much excitement about this uh, breeders cup classic we're talking to jeff mcdave from canterbury park here on the lake show on news talk 830 wcco make your wagers now at canterbury park for the breeders cup this weekend both friday and saturday the best horses from all over the world will descend upon keeneland for this weekend all right so Talk a little bit about and let the the listening audience know the significance of Friday's card because Friday to me uh, can very much be a little bit more wide open because those are juvenile races where there's uh, a lot of unknowns with the horses that are running because they're younger horses running on uh, on Friday. Absolutely, what they what the Breeders' Cup has done is divided the races up and they call Friday um, I think Future Stars Friday, so it's all two year old races. Two year old is when a horse begins racing, begins its career. So. You've got two-year-olds going a short distance on the turf. You've got a going for fillies and for then a race for boys going long on the grass course. You've got two dirt races as well for each gender. So these are the horses of the future. You're going to see a horse win the the, the juvenile probably. I don't, I don't know who that is, Henry, because it's that deep. But that's the horse that we'll start talking about now for next year's Kentucky Derby. So these are these are the stars of the future, and that that's what makes it fun. But you're right about predictability it becomes extremely unpredictable because these horses can improve just like other athletes by leaps and bounds as they gain experience so i think it's the tougher of the of the betting challenges there's five races um on friday and then the rest of the other nine races are run on saturday but friday to me is a lot of fun because if you can get right if you're right you can really get paid i believe all right, so the question that I have for you now is, of all the races that you've looked at and you've kind of studied both Friday and Saturday, who was the trainer out there that those that will head out to Canterbury Park, who should, be, who should they be aware of in terms of this specific trainer is locked and loaded with plenty of horses that are coming to, to win a, a ton of money? I think there's a, a trainer from overseas, Charles Appleby, he, who had a good year last year, but I, I believe that he is loaded again this year. Uh, he's got a, a two-year-old named Silver Knot, who's in the juvenile turf, who I think is very good, modern games. He's got who won the juvenile last year, who uh, who's going stretching out against older horses this year. So I think Appleby, is he uses a, a jockey named William Buick um, and another one named Doyle, and those are his two go-to riders, but he brings horses in. They're owned by the Sheik. Um, from Dubai. So this is a, a well-heeled operation that has some of the best horses in the world. Uh, and Appleby, I believe, will have another very successful Breeders' Cup. All right, Jeff. One of the questions that I think a lot of us have, even those of us who 
who love horse racing that wager all the time, week in and week out. How do you evaluate the European horses? I, I don't, I don't know how you how you do that because it's it's a little bit harder to kind of dive in and try to do the Google search or do the YouTube and all that. How, how what would be the best advice that you would give the listening audience? Because I know that you know Canterbury College, you guys have been doing that and and giving um uh, a lot of tips to the people that are part of college. Uh, how would you uh, maybe advise the listening audience out there to try to figure out? Which of the European horses or how you can track those European horses and how good they are? I think the way I approach it is I, I do some reading like you have, but I also, when I look at the past performances, they, in the past performances that look completely different uh, in Europe compared to the U.S., so you don't get the fractions, you don't get a lot of the information you used to, but you do get the groupings. We have graded races, they have group races, and I, the better horses win their, their bigger races, and I think those are generally the ones that come over, but... You also, you know, there's been a lot of surprises. There were long shots last year from Europe. In a lot of cases, what I've taken to doing, if I'm playing pick threes, pick fours, is just take use all the Europeans. I might use an American that I like, but because we don't know as much about them, nobody does, and the betting often reflects that. So I'll, I'll take a lot of them, but I also look at the trainers, like Appleby, who I know is bringing his best horses over. Uh, and So that's kind of my approach, but it is tricky, and I don't think you can get an answer um, – Really, you talk to like Kevin Gorick, who you have on uh, regularly, loves handicapping. He struggles with the Europeans as well. I think we all do, but I think you need to look at the what they've run against, who they've run against, and how they've run uh, to make those evaluations. But also be willing to just take a horse that doesn't look that great, but you know that maybe going long on the turf, which is where they excel in Europe, this horse might be a whole different animal facing lesser competition in the U.S., all right, we're talking to Jeff Madej from Canterbury Park here on the Lake Show on News Talk 830 WCCO. All right, as we kind of wind things down, and before I get uh, maybe a pick or two from you, Jeff, for the people out there listening that say, well, you know, what do I need to know about wagering at Canterbury Park this weekend? Uh, what, what should they know about Friday and Saturday? Well, Friday, you know, this is the, the Breeders' Cup this year is at Keeneland in Kentucky. So last year it was on the West Coast, much later. Uh, tomorrow racing begins at 10.55 in the morning, but the first Breeders' Cup, the first of those five Breeders' Cup races, doesn't start until 2 o'clock. So we're open at 9 o'clock tomorrow. We'll be open all night. On Saturday, early start as well. We'll open the gates at 8, uh, but the first race is at 9.30, and the first Breeders' Cup race is at 10.50. So that's a long day, but it also concludes early. 4.40 is the Breeders' Cup Classic. So if you want to come out and just spend a good afternoon at, at Canterbury, I think you can do that in about a four- or five-hour window. And, and see the best racing in the world. But we've got a lot of tellers on hand. We've got both um, the first and the second level with plenty of free seating. So as far as that goes, your accommodations will be great. There's plenty of betting opportunities and plenty, plenty of places to make those wagers. So I think you'll be, you will be comfortable at Canterbury Park if you come out. All right, I assume that you like Flightline in the Classic. It sounds that way. If not, tell me now. But outside of Flightline being the uh, prohibitive favorite to win the Classic, Give me one horse that you uh, that you're looking to to pounce and strike with this weekend. In in what race? Well, you know, I'm going to get things started right away tomorrow at two o'clock in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint with a filly named Love Reigns, who's four to one on the morning line. Wesley Ward has won this race. They haven't run the the Turf Sprint that many times. He's won it, I think, three times. Uh, Love Reigns is went to ran, won here in the U.S. Went to Europe and got beat by a horse that's also in this race named Dramatized. That was going straight. In Europe, they just ran a straight race going uh, five furlongs. T- 
tomorrow they'll be going five and a half furlongs. Love Reigns came back to the U.S., ran at Saratoga, the premier meet on the East Coast, and won easily. She's got the best figure. She's got the best early turn of foot, which I think wins uh, these, these turf sprints. And she's got uh, Irad Ortiz, one of the, if not the, top jockey in the U.S. riding. So Love Reigns at 4-1 to one in race number six tomorrow, the number two horse. I'm on the same horse with you. So, so, so that's, that's, that's all you could ask for. Uh, hey, check it out. The Breeders' Cup. Make your wagers at Canterbury Park this weekend. Uh, people are going to look to make a lot of money. Hey, Jeff, always a pleasure to have you on the show and, uh, good luck this weekend. All right, Henry. I, I look forward to hearing from you as we're cashing tickets together. Absolutely, my friend. That's Jeff Madey from Canterbury Park joining us here on The Lake Show. All right. Final couple of minutes here on The Lake Show. I'm out tomorrow. I think that uh, Tubbsy is out too. I know that Stevie T is in. No idea who's producing. Uh, it is going to be J Lo. Um, is going to be in the seat. J Lo. J Lo is going to be in the, the seat. The J Lo glow. Yes. All right. So the breaking news from earlier tonight: Kyrie Irving, because he was he was not going to apologize today. He said that he took responsibility for posting the anti-Semitic stuff, but he didn't apologize. The Nets and the NBA have said enough already. You're going to you're going to be off the basketball court until you go through the steps and the measures that we think are adequate to take accountability for your actions. Which I think should include an apology. Now some people will say, why force it? Because it's not, it doesn't mean anything. Man, I think it still has to happen. And he's going to be out a minimum of five games. Knowing Kyrie, it could be longer. Now, I don't know how all of this plays out in the CBA and the collective bargaining agreement. But I literally led off the show tonight and I said that the NBA wasn't doing enough. It was unacceptable that they hadn't made a significant statement. And what happened, Chris, was like 30 minutes later, the news broke. Yeah. I think that they were listening on the Odyssey app. I think think that Adam Silver was listening. Yeah, if he would have been listening in real time, I bet they probably would have come down with that ruling sooner. Or maybe they had, maybe they just had. No, they were listening in real time. No, why did it take him a half hour then? Because you started out the show talking about it. I mean, it you like, got to put together the statement. Yeah, it was twenty five. They they should have at least had the bullet points together. You know how when they didn't even have the idea, they stole it from me. Well, I I think maybe they were contemplating, but then once they heard you say it, it's like, well, it it makes sense to to Come do on, this. Man, why, give me give me my credit, man. No, don't, I don't, am don't give, try to give the NBA. No, credit. I'm giving. Give, give me my credit. Just, no, no, just give me my credit. I am giving they, you. They, the they're credit. not supposed to just. It, it, my take ended in that particular segment around six fifteen, six sixteen. Yeah. By the time that we got to thirty four after the hour, I think that they had put out the statement. Okay, see, so it takes time, man. Okay, well, see, I I didn't I didn't hear you read the statement till you know till fifty. So I mean. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't see the statement till you know maybe fifty ish. So so okay, if it was out you know before and I just well because we had Brian on the we had, we, we were interviewing Brian uh, Custer and so I couldn't just break in and be like, 
Well, I mean, you could have said, hey, you know what, NBA, you know, thanks for listening to the Lake Show. But, I mean, when it comes to Kyrie, like, what's going to be enough for him to to just meet the NBA standards like okay well Kyrie that's a good question you know what what does he need to do to satisfy the NBA because he's not back great question we don't know that that that's that you you've you finish off the show with a great question because we don't know ultimately that's the big question right now on the table I mean this will be the lead story on this will be the lead story Mm -hmm. on SportsCenter tonight yeah I I I guess after Thursday Night Football yeah I mean and maybe the World Series but he's 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 defiant, like Kyrie. This is a middle finger to everybody. He's like, I don't care. He's basically saying, I don't care. So, I mean, how can you how can you push the importance on somebody that chooses to just kind of downgrade and belittle everything surrounding this? And I think that's the most negative thing about him. That is his worst flaw: is that he just doesn't care about others. Mm-hmm. No, you're Sad, right. Man. You're right. Kyrie cares about Kyrie. Just ask Kyrie. Gosh. Well, I'm off tomorrow. You're off tomorrow. We're back at it on Monday, but the Wolves play on Monday. I know. Wolves minutes. play plenty of. Yeah, they play plenty of games next week. Um, I look forward to the uh, to the shows. People, tickets are still available. Hopefully, I'll see some of you at the boxing match at the Armory this weekend. But to have an awesome Friday, have an awesome weekend. We'll talk to you next week here on The Lake Show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.